So tonight we will be in Acts chapter 2. As we are wrapping up our history series, it's going to be done by the end of this month. Wait, that's tomorrow. By the end of October. <laughs> More a month ahead of um, So tonight we look at the birth of the church and how this plays a role in restoring mankind to Eden, which is where we're going. We'll end there um, in Revelation eventually. And so Stuart's going to read for us the entire chapter of Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And in this and at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who were speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall... uh, shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even on my male servants and female servants in those days i will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and i will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor and smoke the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the lord comes the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man arrested by you, or to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and for knowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always beside me. For he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God has had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, 
He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Thanks, Thanks for saving my lungs. So the setting is Jerusalem. It's about 10 days after Jesus had ascended into heaven, which we looked at last week. And there's a couple key things I want to point to your attention before we pray. First is that this is called Pentecost. It was a feast the Jews celebrated. Um, This is the day that God chose to send his Holy Spirit to indwell human beings. And those human beings whom he indwells we call the church. And I want to point out that you notice there's a sound like a mighty rushing wind. There are people speaking in tongues, that's different languages. And there are flames of fire. And then finally, there is 3,000 people saved. I want you guys to notice as we look into this, those main points. Father, we are grateful for your Spirit's presence in our midst. And we ask that he would come and be the teacher tonight. That you would mold, shape, and form. And Father, that as youth call departs from us, we know that they are absent physically, but in spirit we are one body. And you're merely sending us to the nations, wherever that is, with the message of restoring people to your presence. So we pray that you bless them and empower them. And Father, that while they're there, you would empower us here to bring your message to those in our community. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So 
Rachel loved to feel the wind blowing upon her face. And she would close her eyes and feel the breeze just pounding the, the fresh, cool marine air and pretend that she was flying as the ship would ride the high waves and go down into the low waves. And it just felt like you're flying with all that wind. And occasionally the boat, the bow would just smash into a wave and the spray would come and wet her and just refresh her in that hot marine air. And she just loved watching the ocean go by at such amazing speeds and realized that we're cutting through this sea at great speeds, all because of the power of wind. And she looks up and sees the sails filled with wind and the masts creaking and leaning with the power of the wind and the boat knifing through these vicious waves opposing it, all because of the power of wind. And it made her mind remember the stories that she would hear in the synagogue at her hometown of Rome. And they would... There were stories about, oh, the creation when the earth was formless and void and it was dark, suffocated in darkness and drowned in water. And it was nothing but death. Nothing lived there. But the wind of God came and blew over the waters. And then death became life as creation was formed. Chaos into creation. And then she remembered also the story of Noah and how once again the waters came back and there was death across the whole world. And God once again sent his wind and the wind blew upon the waters and the waters receded and you saw a new creation as the result. Yes, the wind brought death to life. And she remembered also when her nation used to be slaves in Egypt and how Pharaoh wouldn't let them go, but finally had to let them go. And, and as they're running away from Pharaoh, he's chasing them with his army. And, oh, great, the Red Sea was in their way. Death again was in the scene. But once again, God's wind came and blew upon the waters. And the waters parted. And a way was made in the wilderness for the people of God to cross over and narrowly escape Pharaoh's wicked grasp. As his armies were drowned. Yes, death, but wind brought life. And she was musing upon these things as she's feeling the wind upon her face when she was suddenly interrupted by, What you doing? And she saw it was Benjamin, one of the guys on, in the party of pilgrims that were making their way from Rome to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And she was, you guys have ever just felt that moment where you're deep in thought, daydreaming, and someone asks, what are you thinking? And you're like, uh, 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 how do you like summarize a whole train of thoughts? That was her. She blushed. She couldn't get the words out. And Benjamin helped settle down the awkward moment and said, don't you just love feeling the wind on your face and her face lightened up like exactly what I was thinking it makes me think Benjamin continued it makes me think of that that prophecy in Ezekiel you know which one I'm talking about Rachel just stared <laughs> okay well the one where Ezekiel sees this valley just this wide big open valley and it's a graveyard but not the kind of graveyard you're used to thinking about where the dead bodies are buried in the ground. This was a graveyard where nothing's buried. 
bones upon bones upon bones spreading across the valley. And Rachel shuddered and looked a little disgusted. So Benjamin clarified and said, I know that's gross, but that's what Ezekiel was saying happened to God's people when they were cast out of his presence. It was as if they died. Their mission ended. It was failed. But Rachel, you know what happened then? I don't know if you can believe this or not. But this wind started to come down from the four corners of the earth and blow into the valley. And it blew harder and harder until the bones began to form themselves together. And and little skeletons were being raised up from the dead. And then they were clothed with flesh. And this, this graveyard turned into a living and breathing nation. And that's, that was Ezekiel saying that God is one day going to save us, Rachel. He's one day going to come and blow his wind upon us and bring life to our death. And Rachel's thinking, yeah, yeah, I remember hearing that story once again. And she was about to speak, but one of the sailors interrupted the conversation. And said, land ho! And, and Rachel and Benjamin rushed to the other side of the deck and looked out and they're so excited because they saw it. They saw the land and they saw it just a little past the, the hills on the horizon. And Rachel thought she saw a little speck of light glimmer on the top of one of the hills. And she thought, that must be Jerusalem, the city set on a hill. Well, when they got to Jerusalem... They found a place to stay for the night, and they were all unsettling, the whole party on the boat. They were all unsettling and settling in, and, and man, that a, a voyage across the Mediterranean Sea will tire you out. So they slept well, went to bed early, slept straight through the night until morning. And it was then, a little bit before 9 a.m. that it happened. Everyone was sound asleep, and they would have slept probably till noon. But the most terrifying, loud sound that any of them had ever heard suddenly burst through the atmosphere, so terrifying and terrific that it shook them all out of bed. And they thought the house was going to crumble in upon them. And all of them, waking up on the floor now, panicked and looked around and thought, What just happened? Has the world ended? And Rachel later explained to me that what it sounded like was literally the heavens being ripped open like a garment. And as if everything there came crashing down to earth. It sounded like that in a big, mighty sound of rushing wind. Well, Rachel looked at Benjamin, and Benjamin looked at Rachel, and both of them were thinking the same thing. Mighty rushing wind. God is bringing life right now. And they rushed out the door without telling anybody. And they're wondering where they're going. And they started heading for where they saw everybody running. The natural place. The temple. And they started running for the temple. And there they saw amazing things. Well, while before, excuse me, that happened. Out in the Arabian desert, there's a boy named Philip. 
and his father and their extended family, they too were making pilgrimage to Jerusalem from Persia to celebrate Pentecost. And it was evening, and as their custom was, every evening in that cold Arabian desert, they would build a fire, and they would sit around the fire and tell stories. But tonight, everyone was tired. And Philip was laying on the desert sand with his hands behind his head. There's a big black sky with starry stars and a moon. And it appeared that he was facing the moon and the moon facing him. But he wasn't actually looking at the moon. Instead, he was listening to the fire, the the voice of the fire right next to him as it spoke. Uh, Pop, crackle, pop. Snap, thank you. Snap, crackle, pop. (laughs) Listening to that crackling sound. You see, Philip was blind. He really couldn't see anything. So he just listened to the fire and... And this this journey occasioned thoughts he's not used to thinking before. And he started to drift to last night when his father told the story around the fire about a great tower called Babel and a bunch of rebels who built that tower in defiance against the kingship of God over them. And he was remembering how it went, how the people were disgruntled with the curse of the earth and thinking, ah, there's not enough food and work is too hard and life just stinks. Let's elect a king who will rule us and make a kingdom that was like the Eden we lost. And so they put their heads together and they elected a king and the king told them how to build the kingdom and they all worked hard and made bricks and built the bricks and built the city and the kingdom. And then in the very middle, they built a tower that ascended pretty good height. So it was the highest thing in the land. And the king arose at the inauguration day, cutting the red tape and said, my people, your kingdom, the Eden we created And this tower right behind me in the midst of the city, its top is the very heavens itself. And we will pray and feast tonight that God himself will come down from that tower and meet with us and bless our cause so that we can be like the Eden of old. And the people cheered and shouted and they feasted and they were making themselves merry. And would you know it, God did come down. But he didn't come down to participate in their story. He came down to make his story happen. I'm not coming down to bless your guys' plan. I'm coming down to make my plan work now. You see, the people were rebelling. God told them to dwell across the whole earth. They said, let's dwell right here. Not separate from each other. So God says, well, he comes down and he does something. And, and Philip loved this because, of course, he's not a person of sight. He's a person of sound. So he loves this. His story's running through his head. And he's thinking, this is so cool. But suddenly, just imagine hearing it. People laughing. People having a good time. Some of them are probably drunk and just going crazy. And then all of a sudden, you hear people fighting here. People fighting there. A brawl breaks out over here. And you hear 
confusing speech everywhere. And suddenly the party turns into a fight. And then by, by the time the sun comes up, everyone's over it. And everyone's finding people that speak their language and running off and starting their own colony somewhere else. <laughs> and so at that moment, the nations were scattered because they were in rebellion against God. And as Philip was thinking about that, he started thinking about how he lived in Persia, not in Jerusalem, as a Jew. And the thought crossed his mind. Did God do to Israel what he did to the people at Babel? Did he scatter us across the face of the earth because we, like them, rebelled against God's kingship? Father... Father, crackle, snap, crackle, pop. Um, if you're awake, is, is that the case? Well, his father heard the whole thing. But you see, what his son had just asked brought back painful memories that his grand tradition was passing on about the slaughter of many Jews when Babylon crushed their city. And, and finally he broke the silence and said, yes, Unfortunately, we live in Persia and many Jews live in many other places, not in Jerusalem, because we rebelled against God's kingship. He gave us this beautiful land. And from what I've been told, what I hear, it was just like the Garden of Eden. It was gorgeous, flowing with milk and honey. And God gave that to our forefathers. And he said, here, cultivate this and spread it to the ends of the earth. And don't buy into the Canaanite culture, but change it, redeem it, restore it. But they didn't do that. Instead, they borrowed the Canaanite culture. And they became corrupt themselves. And nothing ever came of the kingdom. And here we are, scattered across the earth. Philip, well said that's a downer (laughs) but he thought about a positive moment and he said father i'm just glad that i actually get to go to jerusalem that i actually get to hear what happens there and with a smile on his face he drifted off to sleep well they eventually made it to jerusalem and After they found a place, they got up the next morning early because Philip wanted to hear the songs of the priests and the prayers that they prayed as they offered the morning sacrifice in the temple. He was so excited to hear real priests praising God. So they got up early, they went to the temple, and he was hearing the praises and heard the lamb, uh, ba, whatever they do, and then it was silent, and his father was explaining to him what was happening G version, and they listened to the praises and the prayers of they made to God, and then he heard something he'll never forget. The same sound Rachel and Benjamin heard. Now you have to imagine a sound of this mighty rushing wind pouring down from heaven as if heaven itself was ripped open and crashed upon the earth. And you're blind. You don't see anything. Imagine what that sounds like. Oh, dear God, the end of the world has come. Dad, where are you? And as the sound happened and the earth shook, Philip found himself face down on the ground, terrified, crying for his father. And when all settled down, 
He heard not just him crying, he heard people everywhere crying. He heard people in different languages crying out. He heard Egyptian, he heard um, Greek, he heard Hebrew, he heard his own language, Persian. He heard all the languages of the earth from the different people in Jerusalem at the time crying out, What on earth has happened? And then his father picked him up and said, Philip, quick, quick, we have to get to the other side of the temple. I hear people speaking weird things. And they rushed to the other side of the temple. And what caught Philip's attention at first was the sound of a man preaching in Persian. And he understood every word he was saying. And he was eating up the words of this preacher. And he was, right on, right on. God is king. God's restoring the nations to himself. Yes, yes. And then what bewildered him was at the end of the sermon when he heard everybody around him not speaking Persian But a great babble came up as they asked, What shall we do to be saved? And then the preacher replied in Persian, and it dawned on him. I hear him in my language. They hear him in their language. The tower of Babel has been reversed. God is not scattering the nations. He's gathering them to himself. He's restoring people across the globe to his presence. And Philip was wild with excitement. And then there's one more story. This one is in the Egyptian desert, around the area of Mount Sinai. His name's Elgar. And he, he did this trip every single year with his family because Egypt wasn't too far away. But man, it was hot. It was dry. And he was hungry. And as they're traveling some days now, Elgar goes back to the caravan and starts rummaging for food. And he finds this, this, this really fancy cloth. And he unwraps it. And he finds fruits, veggies, Grain. Dad, can I eat this? And he was disappointed to hear he couldn't eat it. No, Elgar, this is what we're taking to Jerusalem. We are going to put these on the altar and thank God for the harvest he gave us back in Egypt. Elgar, we call these first fruits. And we offer the first fruits to God to say thank you. And thank you for all the more that's going to come from our crops. Elgar thought about it for a minute as they kept walking. And it dawned on him. We've done this trip every year. And I have no stinking clue why we do it. So, so Father, he looks up at him squinting in the sun. Um, is this why we go to Jerusalem for Pentecost every year? To give God the first fruits of our crops? Exactly, Elgar. Exactly what we do. It's just a way of saying thanks and recognizing that God is our provider. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah, and Elgar, even more recently, this feast has taken on even greater significance. You see, it's only 50 days after Passover. And... Since it was probably about that time that Israel left Egypt and headed to Mount Sinai about 50 days later, we decided to start celebrating the time when God did something special right over there on that mountain. He points off into the horizon and Philip sees the bump in the horizon. That's Mount Sinai, uh, Elgar. It's Mount Sinai. 
And it's there that God led our people out of slavery, brought them to that mountain, and, and there descended upon the mountain in fire, and he became king over us. And then he gave us his law, and he rules over us through the law he gave us. We also celebrate that at Pentecost. Elder thought about the significance of this. So that's a lot like Eden too, huh? God came down and lived with us? Yes, Elder. He came down and, and restored us to himself. Wow. What, what was it like when he showed up on the mountain? Oh, I don't know, Elder. But, I mean, I wasn't there, but I hear that it was a terrifying experience. The whole mountain shook. Fire descended upon the mountain. And, and, and our forefathers didn't see God. They heard Him. See, out of the fire, He spoke. And one of our philosophers says that out of the fire, He spoke in the 70 languages of the nations. I guess the point was, was that God was not just saying, I'm king over Israel, but I'm king over the entire earth. Huh. So, Dad, um, did anybody... I'm, I'm remembering the story of the golden calf. Did anybody not want God to be king? Kind of like Adam in the Garden of Eden? Well, Elgar, Yes. That's what the golden calf was. That became their king. That's what they worshipped. And as a result, 3,000 people died. 3,000! Sad consequence of what happens when we choose to try to fit God into our story rather than fit ourselves into God's story. Well, Elgar went on walking and with a new appreciation for Jerusalem. I can't wait to go there. I want God to be my king. And so they spend the night right outside Jerusalem. Next morning, they wake up early, and they begin to send them out to Jerusalem, singing the psalms that they would sing as they're walking up to the Jerusalem. And, and right as they're entering into the gate, 9 a.m. happened. The sound that terrified Rachel, the sound that really scared Philip, happened. Heaven was rent open, and it crashed down onto earth. The mighty wind blew through Jerusalem, and Elgar was startled, and he looked up just in time to see it. Now, Elgar told me that it was really hard to put in words what he saw. It was indescribable, but he did his best. So this is how he explained it to me. He said that he saw... A great fireball coming down out of heaven and it crashed into Jerusalem. And, in its pl- and then when it landed, nothing blew up. The city didn't set on fire. But instead, there was this big column, this big pillar of fire. Just like what I guess led Israel through the wilderness. Just like what hovered over the first tabernacle. And Elder told me that he thought that that meant God was here. God had come down. And he couldn't wait. Father, we must go. Sinai's happening all over again. God has come down in fire. And so they hurry up to the temple. And they got there just in time to see that the fire wasn't hovering over the temple. 
God didn't come down to the temple. It was hovering over a group of people over to the side of the temple. And Elgar and his dad looked at each other and thought, if this is God come down, and he's not in the temple, what are these people? They're the new temple of God. God had come down and decided to live within these people. Who are these people, Elgar? Let's go find out. So they run over just in time to hear me preaching to the people. And I was telling them things like, well, you guys have just seen, I know it was amazing, but trust me, you're not drunk, we're not drunk, it's early in the morning. This is really happening. And this is what happened. Like Sinai, when God descended in fire, He has descended here. Jesus is King, and He has chosen to rule over us through the gift of His Spirit. His Holy Spirit has come down and descended upon those who choose to give up their story and live in God's story to follow Jesus as King. He is now dwelling inside of us, and we are the temple of God. And he was listening to this, and they were awed. Rachel was there, Benjamin was there, Philip was there, Elder was there. And I continue to tell them that what is happening is that God is restoring the nations to himself. As look at you guys, you all speak different languages. You're from the corners of the earth gathered in Jerusalem. God is bringing the nations to restoration. He is going to restore us to the Eden we lost. And this Holy Spirit, whom Jesus has given to us, is the first fruits of Eden. And I looked at the people as they were getting it. Pentecost is when we give God our first fruits. But this Pentecost is different. God gave us his first fruits. The Holy Spirit. The very fruit out of Eden itself. His presence was sent down to indwell those who said Jesus is king and want to live in his story. And the response that day overwhelmed me. 3,000 people wouldn't leave as they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And I saw, this is where I get my stories, I saw Elgar, I saw Philip, I saw Rachel, I saw their parents, I saw Benjamin, and some more of their parties. And they all understood what had happened. The first fruits of Eden given to them through the Holy Spirit. And as I looked at the 3,000 that were saved that day, I was startled to remember that at Mount Sinai, when God was king through the law, 3,000 people died. Here, 3,000 people are alive. It's as if they are replacing the ones that died. It's not the law, it's the spirit now. Jesus is king through the spirit. He rules over us through His Spirit within us. 
And as we are empowered by the Spirit and are led by the Spirit and and go to the nations and restore people through the Spirit, we are crowning Jesus as King and He is having dominion over the earth through us. And so, as I encourage the people on Passover in that sermon, I encourage you guys, the continuing fruit the continuing way to Eden, that we are that way. We're the path. We are preparing the way of the Lord. We are pioneering that path to Eden and calling the nations to be restored with us to the presence of God, to follow us the church. And we do this because Jesus is king over us through his spirit within us. And so, tree of life, I would say, let the Spirit of God dwell in you richly. Let the Spirit of God cultivate your minds, cultivate your talents, and cultivate your community so that Jesus is indeed seen as king over these people who have the first fruits of Eden And if we have the first fruits, we are getting the whole deal when Jesus returns. So let us spread the way to Eden as the Spirit works and speaks through us. Let us lay down our story and say that Jesus is authoring us through His Spirit. And to open our ears, to soften our hearts, and to listen to what He may be doing. We don't come to a temple anymore. JC's not your temple. I'm not your temple. Church is not your temple. We are the temple. And at any given second, God speaks because God dwells amongst us. We have been restored. The first fruits are ours, and we await that glorious day when Christ comes and brings Eden to this earth, heaven to this earth. And we're calling the nations to gather and to join us on this way to restoration. Father, I ask for what we pray every week. We ask for a filling of your spirit. That tonight we surrender, our story is over, and we crown your son as king, and we live in the story of God. So spirit of the living God, we pray that you fall afresh on us, that you melt us, you mold us, you fill us, and you use us to your glory, to the ends of the earth forever. Amen.